True wealth. In the movie, 10 Things I Hate About You, romantic comedy from the 90s, there's a lot of imprudence, you could say, but there's one scene that stands out. Heath Ledger is giving Julia Stiles a, a ride home from this party, and Julia had been drinking, so now she's drunk, and they're in the car outside of her house, and all of a sudden she just feels overcome, and, and she wants to kiss him, so she, she leans over to give him a kiss. But he recognizes that she's drunk, and he doesn't want to take advantage of her, so he doesn't kiss her. And in the movie, she gets really mad and, um, and storms out of the car and acts all angry. But there's something about that that it begins to reveal his true colors. By, by acting prudently and doing what's right, even when he doesn't have to, he's showing his trustworthiness. And if you watch the rest of the movie, you see how that plays out. That that's what we really want. That that's what really matters and shows is when people are trustworthy. Today's gospel speaks of how the person who can be trusted in small matters can be trusted in larger ones. And Jesus tells us this story about a rich man and a steward. And it's, it's kind of cryptic. But basically, this man has not been doing well. He has not been making good choices. But then suddenly, with the threat of being thrown out, he suddenly starts to act prudently. He, rather than seeking his own interests, he decides to do what's right in a way that will serve these people who owe money well, but also serve his master well. And so, it's interesting that when he does what's right, the master then notices it and praises it. That, that in a world where so many people do what is not good, it makes it so much clearer when a person stands up and does what is right. That, that the light shines brightest in the darkness. I remember when I was a senior in high school, sometimes we would eat lunch in this teacher's classroom, and one day one of the people... They, they snuck into the teacher's drawer and found the tests. The teacher apparently used the same tests every year, you know? And, and they're like, that's his fault, you know? And, and so they're like, hey, we got the tests. And so they started passing them around. And they came up to me and they said, hey, everybody, we, we've all got the tests. We're all going to do this. Um, and I said, no, thank you. And they said, come on, man. Everybody's doing it. And he, he won't even know. To which I replied, I will know. The person who pays the biggest price for lacking in trustworthiness is us. Because then I know I took a shortcut. I know and I feel like a fraud. But when I do what's right, even in a small matter in which no one sees, there's, there's, a, there's a freedom. There, there's no burden. There's a, you know, it stinks because maybe people don't like that. 
But I, my conscience is clear. But now we, we live in a world now where if, if I do what I want to do and feel free and to do what's right, that, that the people around me, they may not like that. Because when, when I said no to, to cheating on that test, that suddenly it pricked their conscience in a, a clearer way of maybe what we're doing is not good. You know, no, the problem is we just need to get Lowry to come around and cheat on the test. Or like you go to a party and if you, do, if you choose not to drink, say you're not 21 and you're like, I'm not going to drink. That, that for some reason, some people at the party, it becomes their mission to get you drunk, to get you to, to get a drink. That somehow it, it assuages their conscience that, well, they're doing it, it's not a big deal. And so we live in a culture now where, where people just, they don't like that. It's almost like, well, you're being judgmental. It's like, I'm just living my life, you know? It's like that old image, if you ever heard of it, of, that if you have a pot and you put like crawdads in there, or crabs, and that what happens is eventually they're going to try to start clawing their way out. But the minute that one of them starts to get up a little bit, the rest of them pull, you, pull it back down. You start getting up, the people don't like that, and they try to pull you back down. And so, I, you know, people, you know, with that, with that image of, of like, you know, Father, I'm at, you know, I go to this party and everybody's trying to get me to drink. Like, what do I do? Find some new friends. Um, <laughs> I think we, we want to find people that are not tearing us down. We want to surround ourselves with people that are building us up. The people who encourage us to, to live in freedom. I, you know, one of, the, one of the greatest pressures today is to endorse someone's sexuality, even no matter how I feel about that. I heard this man share this testimony of how he experienced feelings of gender confusion. And everybody around him went along with it, except his mom. Because his mom was like, um, I gave birth to you, and I know who you are, even if you don't. And he, so his, his mom was like the one person in his life that wouldn't call him the name and the pronouns that he wanted. And it, and it made him so mad. But later in his life, as things went on, and he realized that changing things exteriorly did not bring him peace interiorly, then when he went to a counselor who started to look at the big picture instead of just his gender, that he began to see other things and other areas that he wanted peace in. And as he found that peace and that healing, that, that it began to spread. And he said later that his mom, having the courage to stay in reality and call him by his birth name, was like a lifeline connecting him to who he is, who he is, who he was. And it was that lifeline that eventually brought him back where now he experiences this greater peace and healing and the reality of who he is. When we speak the truth and do what is right, not everybody's going to like it. But Jesus said that in the Beatitudes, Matthew 5.10, Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The first reading today, it's, it's all about how God defends the innocent, the poor, those who are wronged, those who are exploited, treated unjustly. That when you and I stand up for truth and justice, it is God who stands with us. And that God who suffered for injustice, the innocent one, that, that maybe if it happens to him, it may happen to us. Not that we want that, but Jesus says, I fight with the innocent. But Jesus is fighting with us. I was talking with a man this week who had lived and worked in Hollywood for many years. And in one part of our conversation, he shared how the whole Me Too movement was and is par for the course there. He's like, yeah, it just became like public, but that's how the culture is. He said, you know, praise God that these people had the courage to speak out. And they knew that by speaking out that their career in Hollywood is over. But they had the courage to do it, to, to speak up and to say what was right, even if nobody wanted to hear it. And so he said his job in particular was to set up like gatherings and parties and events. He was an event planner. And so he kind of saw all this stuff. But one time he was paired up in planning an event from like, as he describes, the most beautiful woman he had ever seen. And in the course of planning the event that that he just did what he always did, treat people with respect, keep it respectable, all this stuff. And she, she noticed it. And she noticed that this man, in the culture of Hollywood, acted differently. And, you know, maybe he had a chance to kind of make a move on her, but he didn't, like so many other men had tried to. And he was like tempted to, I like her, but I'm not going to stoop to that. He had the opportunity, he was friends with Gary Sinise, and uh, he was invited to a fundraiser and that Jim Caviezel was hosting, he said, and, and so he was able to bring a date, so he's like, I'm gonna ask her, but the problem is, it's a pro-life event. And it feels, it seems like there's nobody that's pro-life in Hollywood. So he asked her, and she said yes. Turns out, she was Catholic and pro-life. And so, it was a huge win for him. So. So they go to this event, and today, they now live in Phoenix with three children, and the fourth is on the way. That, that as he acted prudently in small matters, this woman could recognize that if he could be trusted in small matters, that he can be trusted with great ones. That he could, if he's not going to take advantage of me, that maybe that's the kind of man I want to raise my children. And the truth is that he was not really into his faith then. But she was, and she helped him reconnect with God. And so by being faithful and a man of integrity, not only did he get the woman of his dreams, but he actually received something even better. A relationship, a better relationship, but a relationship with his heavenly Father, the source of all blessings. Jesus tells us today that we can't serve two masters, him and the world, him and what people feel about me, him and my own selfish interests. But as we seek to be trustworthy in small matters, he promises us a great outpouring of true wealth that is his divine life.